Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. I have the opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Uh, Pastor Nate asked if I would share, um, and he has mentioned this a couple times now, but I want to share it with you guys as well. We all only have our, our one journey of faith to really lean on and, and see how God works through. We, we all have different experiences and different circumstances that we've seen God work in, and that's the same with anything, but including giving and how we treat our finances. And we've been in this series called Security Blanket, specifically talking about our finances, and, and really the heart behind this series is how to honor God by being good managers or stewards of our money and resources. We don't want to be ruled by our stuff, and we don't want our money to rule us, but we want to be able to use that as a tool to glorify God. And we don't want to hold to those things as our security. We want God to be our security. So that's what we've been talking about in this series and how all of this ties together. So today, to give you guys a little head start, you can start turning to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44 is what we're going to be focusing on. Um, You can start jumping there now to get ready. We're going to be continuing this journey, learning some more important lessons on giving, on on the concept of giving and generosity and really what that looks like. And I know for a lot of us, this topic is pretty uncomfortable. A lot of you are like, eh, I wish that we could just be done with this series already. I'm sick of hearing about it. Um, I, I understand that, but I want you guys to know that this is a super important topic. And I know that giving is hard. I know that giving is uncomfortable, the topic when we talk about that, how we treat our money and our resources. We have a very sensitive feeling about that. And I think for many of us, Um, It's easy to relate to this feeling that we have about our finances and how we treat them towards God um, if we connect it to other things and and we can see it through a different lens. So for me, I tend to guard and I tend to be kind of like sensitive and untrusting of people when it comes to technology. Um, And we treat God like this as well. This is a good way that we can kind of relate to this feeling. I want us all to understand it. For me, with this kind of issue that I have with technology, I frequently get upset when someone asks me to like borrow my phone or something or to use my iPad or when I have different people over and they're kind of around my TV or whatever, they ask to use the laptop that I have or playing video game consoles that I have. When, when, I, when I see those things, it gets me like really uptight because I have this weird grasp on them where I, I don't trust people with them. And this goes not just for strangers. It goes for people I trust a lot, like my wife, Breezy. Um, I will kind of be mean to her sometimes because of my, my unhealthy grasp and grip that I have on technology. I want to guard it and protect it a little too much. Sometimes she'll have her phone or something, and, and we're on the same phone plan. I know how much that stuff costs. And I see her, we're getting ready to go to bed, and she tosses the phone like a foot and a half, and it lands on the bed. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you disrespect a phone like that? Do you know how much that costs? And I get all upset about it. And then if we're playing video games, we'll, we'll play this game called Overcooked together. I don't know if any of you know about that game, but it's really fun. We'll be playing this game together, and Breezy is just button mashing on the controller. And I can't even focus on the game because all I can hear is click, 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 click. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you being that aggressive? Can you just calm down and be a little more gentle? And I have this deep like distrust around technology. I have this like deep set feeling in my heart of don't touch it, don't look at it, 
That's not for you. That's off limits, okay? But that's how we treat God with our finances, that same exact way when it comes to our resources. And we got to shift that mindset. We have to get out of that if we're ever going to really understand how giving ought to be. We have to change this mindset and move to a nothing is off limits mindset. And that's what the title of this message is going to be. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is off limits. You know, the truth is, when it comes to this whole heart and idea, is we're never going to loosen our grip on our finances, on our resources. We're never going to do that if we don't understand just the super practical reasons why we would give at all. There are practical reasons. It's not this super abstract idea. And I know for a lot of us, we have this feeling where we're like, well, do I really need to do that? I'm already exercising my faith in other areas. Is this really that important? It is important. And we're going to talk about both of the reasons why, but we're going to start with the super just practical, basic reasons why. And the way that we're going to do that is we're going to read just the first sentence in verse 41. And what I want us to do, we're going to be ultimately reading a story about Jesus and him observing some stuff about a widow. But first, before we get into it, I just want us to look at the, get a visual, I guess, and observe the scene that Jesus is in. Because there's some super practical stuff we can take away from just kind of digging into what, where is Jesus right now? So that's what we're going to do. You want to read with me verse Verse 41, just that first sentence, says, And he sat down, that's Jesus, opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. All right, that's all we're going to read, because I, I want us to understand the practical side. What is this stuff? And this is where the first lesson that we're going to learn today, the first point, I guess you could say, is going to be this. We give as an act of responsibility and honor. We give as an act of responsibility and honor. I'll take that in for just one second because I'm about to flood you with a whole lot of information. Just want to prepare you for that. What we, do, what we see here is Jesus, he's in the temple. He's in a courtyard specifically. And it says that he's watching people give money. And I want to just note, Jesus is not being a creeper here. This is not Jesus kind of sitting in the corner with his hat tilted down, peeking through a newspaper, observing people put money in, judging them or being nosy. It's not what's happening at all. What Jesus is doing is looking for a teaching moment specifically. That's what we're going to see in just a little minute. In a minute, he's going to call his disciples over to teach them a lesson. That's what he's doing with us right now. He's teaching us a lesson. So pay close attention to what is happening here because there's lessons in this to be learned. So Jesus is opposite the treasury. That's what it said. It means he's on the opposite side of the courtyard and the treasury is a, a large building that is adjacent to this part of the temple. And the treasury, um, to kind of give us a glimpse of the culture, the treasury housed a year's worth of wealth, essentially. It's sort of like the temple's personal bank. And inside of this treasury, it was a very large building, would have been a whole lot of money and a whole lot of resources, things that the temple could utilize and use to perform the, the ministry actions that it was supposed to, to be doing and also to maintain the building. So this place was stockpiled with all of this wealth, but it wasn't just like randomly accumulated. The reason why it was so stockpiled and it was very well funded was because there was an annual temple tax. And this temple tax 
was offered to every single Jewish male who was practicing faith across the entire Roman Empire. So not just people in Jerusalem, but everybody. If they said, I I believe in God, I'm a part of this faith system here. If they said that, then that meant that they were going to pay the temple tax. They felt the responsibility to do that, to take care of the temple, to maintain it, to make sure it was functional. They weren't being forced into it. No one was telling them, you have to do this or there's going to be horrible consequences. But they felt that responsibility so they would adhere to it. So that's the first thing we need to understand. The second thing is about the offering boxes. So the offering boxes were 13 brass chests that were scattered throughout the perimeter of of this part of the courtyard. Nine of them were specifically for money. Nine of them were for people to drop like different amounts of money into these boxes. And this was not a part of the tax. This is separate from that. This is for people who just wanted to give an offering. This is an ongoing thing. They want to honor God and glorify him in in doing that. So this is the opportunity for them to do that above and beyond the, the typical. So these boxes are all there, nine of them for money specifically. Four of them are for resources specifically. Because a lot of people, they, they would actively be doing the temple tax, but then they also, they wanted to continue to honor and glorify God, but they didn't have like extra money on hand to do that. But they had grain that could help meet the needs of the community. They had different things that they could burn that would be like incense that they could give that would help make the temple a little bit more presentable and, 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 and nice. They had wood, they had oil that they might be able to offer. They had all this stuff and they wanted to give that. So these are important factors for us to understand because they teach us some really practical principles about why we should give at all, why we should care about giving, why we should care about tithing. Um, I know for a lot of us, we're like, you just gave me a bunch of info and I still don't see how it connects, but I want to explain it for us. So for us, we tithe. We, 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 we regularly do this. And I, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way at all. So don't think of it in that way. But it's sort of like a faith tax. It's sort of like this idea of, okay, I believe in in God. So if you're here today and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm actively doing that, pursuing him, and and I know him. And if you call Awakened Church your home church, is where you regularly attend to be poured into, to be equipped with God's word. This is where you come to be around other believers, to pour into them and to have this base of community of believers around you. If this is where you come to serve, whether that be on a Sunday or to gain connection where you can go serve out in the community sometime during the week. If this is describing you, then sort of the tithe is kind of like the faith tax, sort of like they had a temple tax to maintain and take care of, awaken, and to continue to grow and be more effective in the ministries that Awaken is, is actively engaged in. I, I know for a lot of us, when we look at the church, we come and we attend and we're like, yep, I'm here. But we don't have this ownership mentality about it. I want to let you guys know the stage, these drums, those are not Pastor Nate's drums or his stage. It's not my stage or my drums or any of the other pastors. This is your stage and your drums. The chairs that are out here, those are your chairs. All the toys that are over in the Awakened Kids classrooms, those are your toys. The TVs, those are your TVs. Now, don't go just take them off the wall. You can leave them. We are utilizing them, putting them to good use. But those are your things. 
to maintain and care for. But likewise, look around on the floor around you. See those stains? Those are your stains. You know the gutters that we have a lot of issues with? They're kind of falling off the building, many of them. Those are your gutters. The leaky roofs that we have in different areas, that's your roofs. And in the same way that for many of us, we wouldn't treat our houses and leave them in a state of disrepair. We wouldn't be okay with our houses falling into shambles. Why are we okay with letting that be the case with our church? And that's where this understanding of the, the tithe comes in and where it connects with this same mentality that they had. The other thing with the offering boxes, the tithe is separate from an offering. This is our opportunity to give above and beyond. So things like helping with those who are in need right now in, in Waverly and Dixon. That's a way to give above and beyond. The Together We Build project, where we're trying to grow and make this space more presentable and more effective in ministry, where we're trying to equip our teams to be more effective and able to go out further and make more of an impact. That's a way that we give above and beyond our tithe. And this is a way to, in an ongoing manner, trust God and glorify and honor his name. So these two separate things, even though we're reading about it in the Bible and, and the way that it was done was a little different than it is now, they're super practical reasons why we ought to give now. And I wanted to start there because for many of us, we, we don't understand that side of it, but it's important that we do. Now that's the practical side, but there's also the personal side, the part that affects us very deeply and personally to, to when we give. So to get into this, this second aspect, I want us to read the whole entirety of verses 41 through 44 and actually get into what this story is about. So this is what it says. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins, which make one penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had and all that she had to live on. Okay. Second lesson that we're going to learn from this, from what we just read there, will be this, or second point. The world values the amount but God values the sacrifice. So the world values the amount, but God values sacrifice. So in verse 44, in what we just read right there, Jesus says that these people who are giving the large sums, they were giving out of their abundance. That word abundance can mean excess or surplus. So that means that Jesus clearly knows what's in the bank, bank account behind the check. He clearly knows what's, what's behind that, that giving. He realizes that this is from their surplus. They're, they're not really feeling that at all. And he's making that, that delineation between the way the two gifts were given. Now, at this time, there was this culture of power and status, which is not a whole lot different than our culture now, where people still want power and status. But in their time, people were so actively engaged in pursuing this that it would lead people to give large sums like these people are in order to gain that stuff 
or to maintain it. So many of these people were giving out of obligation because they already had the status. They already had the power. People already saw them as influential. They already saw them as impactful in the community. So they were under obligation to maintain that. So they would bring their money. They're dressed as best as they could be, looking wealthy. They're walking through this public space, shaking their bag of money as they get ready to drop it into these offering boxes with the express goal of impressing everybody around them and maintaining their level of influence. Some of them are giving because they haven't attained that yet, but they want it. So they're looking specifically to impress people. So they're doing the same exact thing. But the key factor here is the fact that all of them were still just giving out of the excess. It was a lot of money. They had their ulterior motives. But then we see the widow who what she is doing is in direct contrast to that in every way. And that's what we're going to focus on now. The widow understood that God is impressed by sacrifice. That's what he cares about. When we talk about this point that the world values the amount, but God values the sacrifice, she took that to heart. Where everyone else was, knew that people would be wowed and awed by the amount, she wasn't swayed by that. She cared about God's opinion more. So she has her two coins. The technical term for what she actually had was a quadrans. She had, ultimately what that equals out to is 1% of a full day's work. So it's sort of like the equivalent of us having $1 to our name. So it's, it's not a whole lot. A lot of us throw a dollar away. We don't even think anything of it. This widow, that's all she's got. And this widow, what I think is so interesting about her and her two coins, is she has to make a choice on what it means to honor God. So I think for many of us, we we need to understand this little aspect. Every time you give, no matter what it is, you always have to make the choice of what is going to cost you and what is truly going to be a sacrifice between you and God. She could have gave just one coin. She didn't have to give both. And if she had given one coin, we all would have been like, wow, what a noble thing she did. 50% of everything she had But she's making this decision between her and God. She knows what that means to her. And she knows for this to be a genuine sacrifice, a genuine way to honor God, I got to give it all. And that's what she does. She puts both coins in there. And I think the reason why she did that is because she took what's found in Mark 12, verse 30 to heart. And I want to read this verse for you guys. It says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That verse defines the nothing is off limits mentality. That's what she is doing when she gives that. She genuinely wants to glorify God, and she says nothing is off limits. I want to also just note that at this time, there was some things for her to fall back on, Um, There in the the synagogues, there was systems that God had set in place and told the the Jews to do that would take care of people in her situation to some degree. Now, it wasn't great. She still lived a very hard, rough life, but there was some aspect. So this decision was very much an aspect of, of true faith and desire to glorify and honor God. So that's what she does. And what she teaches us in that is that giving in faith isn't really about how much we give, but what we hold back. That's what the lesson is here. A lot of us do hold back a lot. A lot of us don't really think too much about what we are giving. It is very much out of the excess. 
or the abundance that we have. There's not a significant cost that we really feel attached to it, but that's not how giving ought to be. Giving was never meant to be easy and comfortable and painless. That's not how it was meant to be. Giving a sacrifice and honoring God, it wasn't supposed to be that way ever. We were always intended to feel what it, what it means to give and to count the cost. Giving, whether that be tithing or giving our, our offerings to God, this is something that is prioritized and considered. We don't just give by accident. When we tithe, we're prioritizing that, to do that out of every paycheck, consistently building that habit. That's a prioritized action. That's a way that we are honoring God regularly. When we go above and beyond that, and we're giving what would be called an offering, where we are meeting needs in the community, where we're helping others out, whether we're serving, whether we're using our resources, talents, abilities, or whether that be money itself, when we're doing that, that's out of the overflow, and that's something we have to consider. We have to really think through, is this something that is really actually helpful? Am I doing this to check a box? Why am I doing this? That's a considered action. I know for a lot of us, we have really two separate types of excuses for why we don't give, why we don't tithe, why we don't really aren't generous with offerings. And the first reason is because many of us will say, well, I'll start tithing when I make more. I'll start tithing when I get this new job or when I get the raise or when I get out of college, then I'll start tithing or we have all of these excuses. The reality is when we're saying that, when those are our excuses, what we're really saying is, God, what I have is off limits until you make it comfortable for me to give. That's the wrong heart to have. Like I said, that's, that's never been the point behind giving at all. So we have to change that. The other reason many of us don't give is because we say, well, I'm not going to give because I don't have a lot to offer. What I have is not even worth it. What I have to give right now, it's, it's so small, it, it's not going to make a difference. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lack of faith, actually. I'm glad that the widow didn't have that mentality. What she had was extraordinarily small. But her opinion of how God would use it and how God saw what she had in her hand, her opinion of that mattered more than what she thought about what she had or what she thought anybody else might think about what she had. So she was willing to give. Ultimately, God's not asking us, and I know in this text it can be easy to interpret it this way, but God's not asking us to go broke. He's not saying what his main intention from this is, is not for you to drain your bank account today before you leave, and then he's happy with you. That's not the point of this at all. The point is, what is it that's going to cause us to have to trust him on a deeper level? Where are we going to feel the sacrifice? Do we care about his opinion? Are we just giving of the leftovers, or are we having that nothing is off limits mentality? That's the point. There's a line there. We are still to be responsible but what does that look like? That's the point of all of this. Now, the, the widow gave her small offering in faith. And this is where this next and final lesson that we have to learn comes from. If you want to write this one down, last point of the message, a small offering in faith 
has more impact than a huge offering of leftovers. Now, where we get this is from verse 43, because Jesus said, she put in more than everyone else. Well, we know that monetarily speaking, that's not true, because he said that many rich people were giving large sums. He knows what she gave. He knows the two coins, how much that value is. And what Jesus says is she gave more than everybody else. So how is that the case? Because she gave it in faith and everyone else did not. Everyone else gave, but they gave from the leftovers and faith and genuine worship weren't the driver. But for her, worship, faith, and conviction was the driver. And that changes everything. She wasn't obligated. When I talked about the temple tax earlier, that was only given to males. So she wasn't under that obligation. This was a free will choice that she was making. And she wanted to honor God in that way. And her offering, even though it was small, was given in faith. And she knew that it had the potential to make an impact, one in God's eyes, but also that how it could be used could still make an impact because God was the one using it. I think for many of us, when it comes to what we are offering, we always put this aspect out of our mind. I think we need to be reminded of what Matthew 17, 20 says. Now think, think about this real quick. This is, this is what Jesus says about having the smallest bit of faith. This is where Jesus says that if we have faith like a mustard seed, that it can move mountains and nothing will be impossible. That's what the widow is doing right now. That even though her amount is small, even though it looks small, she's giving that in faith and God can move mountains with that tiny little bit. And this is an aspect that we need to take to heart as well. And again, I just feel like I need to keep coming back to this and clarify what I'm telling all of you guys today is that having large sums of money is not a bad thing. If you are wealthy, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's not the point. The point of all of this is what are we holding back? Where is the line? Are we actually giving in sacrifice? Are we giving in a way that is actually challenging our faith? Are we really doing that? To kind of close this message out today, I want to share just from my own life a story when I was significantly challenged in in regards to giving. And it's a lesson I'll never forget. So a long time ago, like six years ago, I guess, I was uh, going through school of ministry at Calvary Albuquerque. And while I was going through school of ministry, I was working part-time doing maintenance stuff on the maintenance team there. And I was really struggling to make ends meet. Like it was, it was hard. And frequently I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have money for groceries. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I was tithing. It was very small, but I was doing that at that time. I was trusting God in that way. And I was around a community of believers who I was, I was connected with, they knew what my situation was and they met my needs frequently. It seemed like every time when I was like, there's no way I'm getting groceries this week, somebody would meet that need. Or anytime I would be struggling with, I don't think I'm gonna be able to pay this bill. I don't know what's gonna happen. Someone would come through. And that was God working through his people to meet those needs. And I remember at one point I had a uh, super bad tooth issue I needed a root canal, but I had no insurance, no way to pay that. And somebody paid the bill off the top to take care of that for me. And just let that be a plug for awakened groups. If you're not in an awakened group, you're making a mistake. You're making a, a serious, 
serious problem. But this community met my needs a lot. And I remember this aspect, or this one time where my shoes were really wearing out. They were getting to the end of their lifespan. They were like a couple more months left, I could tell. And I loved these shoes, and I talked about them all the time. The community of people around me knew that I loved them. And they were this all-black pair of Nikes, and they were so comfortable and, and nice. And at one point, someone knew that that was a need that was coming up, and they bought me a brand-new, identical pair of those shoes. I was like, that is so awesome. I was like, Lord, you saw my faithfulness. You saw that I was doing what I should do. Thank you so much for that. And then some different stuff happened, and I'm, I'm going to share that because the Lord challenged me. I had these shoes. It's like the second day I'm wearing them. I'm wearing these shoes. I, I left work. I was like, I'm going to use my old shoes. They're going to be my work shoes now. I'm going to wear these nice ones. And I'm walking past the skate park that was on the campus. I love skate parks. I've gone to skate parks and ridden BMX like my whole life pretty much. And there's a little kid riding BMX in there. So I'm watching him. And this kid falls and the whole entire sole of his shoe rips off. It was a pretty hard fall. And I could tell that this kid didn't have a whole lot of money. I've been around the BMX world a long enough time to just be able to kind of tell by the parts that somebody has on their bike and the way that they're, they're dressed in that community to tell where they're at. And I knew that he was having a serious problem right now. So I was like, hey, man, this works perfectly. I have an extra pair of shoes in my locker. Would that be cool? Would you want that? And I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. He's like, yes, that's going to, that would be so cool. And I'm like, sweet. I run back to the locker. I'm all hyped. I'm like, this is going to be a really cool thing. As I'm grabbing those shoes out of the locker, the Lord speaks to me. And he says, what about the ones on your feet? And as soon as he said that, I felt the weight. And I was like, no, not those, Lord. Please not those. Those are my new shoes. Somebody loved me enough, cared about me. They wanted to take care of me. They gave me those shoes. That's not cool. Well, I can't give those. And I was guarding those. I had that mentality of, I need to keep these for me. I don't know how I'm going to get other shoes if I don't have these shoes. And to give that kid those, those spare shoes that I had, that was just giving out the excess. That wasn't costing me anything. And that's what the Lord was challenging me with. That if I was going to give in his name and point somebody back to him, then it better actually be given in faith. Don't let it be leftovers. Don't let it be scraps. And I walked back to that kid a little bit reluctantly. And I took my good shoes off and I had my work shoes back on and I gave him those shoes. I don't know who that kid is. Never saw that kid again after that. But I knew when I gave him those shoes and I prayed, Lord, use this in that kid's life. Or this is all I got. I know it's not a whole lot, but I know that it's costing me and I'm genuinely giving this to love this kid well, to love him in your name. And I gave that to that kid. And you know what the Lord did? I don't know what he did in that kid's life. I trust that he did something with it. But he changed my life significantly because I will never, ever, ever forget that moment when I learned what it means to actually give, when I learned what it means to sacrifice and to understand what that means to do that in his name. That's what the Lord is asking of all of us when it comes to giving, when it comes to tithing, when it comes to our offerings. That's what he wants. He wants that mentality of nothing is off limits. And that's what I desire for all of you, that we would all find ourselves in that place where we are able to maintain 
these, these buildings. We are able to continue to make sure this space is functional, but we're able to meet needs in our community extremely well because we are all giving well, because we are genuinely giving in faith and we're witnessing the way that God uses that faith. That's what I desire for all of us. And that's what this whole series has been about. That's how we honor God and glorify him. When we take that nothing is off limits mentality and actually take it to heart and put it into action. That's where impact is. I have two questions I want to leave you guys with, and they're not going to be up on the screens. So if you care about them, you better write them down. Um, Question number one to really take to heart to be thinking about will be this. Where does stretching your faith through giving start? Where does stretching your faith through giving start? Maybe you're not tithing at all. Maybe that's the clear start, but maybe you are. Maybe you've already prioritized that and you have that habit going. That's not the end of the road. Stretching your faith can still happen through giving if you begin to ask those questions. How do I do it? You begin to consider it. So that's question number one. Where does stretching your faith through giving start? Question number two, what have you marked as untouchable for God? What have you marked as untouchable for God? What are you behaving like the way that I do with with technology? Where are you behaving that way with God? Where there's this distrust, there's this kind of this discomfort and this frustration and this sensitivity towards letting go for God. Where are those areas? It could be financially. It could be money directly. For many of us, it is that. It's hard to trust him with that. For many of us, it could just be our time. So we guard that. We're sensitive to that. We don't serve on teams or we don't make it a point to help meet needs in our community. Can be using different talents and abilities that we may have. I don't know what it is for you, but I know we have to ask that question and be serious about it and answer it, and that's going to begin to change things. So what have you marked as untouchable for God? If you answer those two questions, if you begin to put those into action in your life, you start to walk and and pursue this nothing is off limits mentality with God, and you trust that it doesn't matter, big or small, if the gift is genuinely, or the giving is genuinely coming out of a place of faith, it has the opportunity to make an impact because it's in God's hands. Not yours. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.